Blog Talk Radio. Figure out where the Nets could go, what they could do, and 
it felt hopeless. I mean, it really did. Trading for Gallinari, trading for Greg Oden, and hoping he could eventually stay healthy. I mean, there wasn't anything out there that was all that appealing. And they took a gamble here, but it was a gamble they needed to make because they brought in, if not the best point guard in the league, top two or top three. And if they can convince him to re-sign at the end of next year, which I'm actually confident they'll be able to do, I think now they can attract other free agents because they have one of the best point guards in the league. So I'm I'm enthused about this trade. This was a fantastic move by Billy King. Fantastic. Evan, JB from Pure Gold, uh, you almost answered my next question, but let me just ask you, since Deron, you know, let's assume Deron Williams stays here for the foreseeable future. Do you think he alone will be able to attract other big free agents? And who would you go after if you're running the team uh, next year? Oh, I think he can definitely attract free agents because I think that free agents look at point guards. They want to play with point guards. They want to play with guys that make them look better. And, you know, I can't sit here and tell you that I'd prefer Darren Williams over Carmelo Anthony or I prefer Carmelo Anthony over Darren Williams because I think they're completely different. I think that the Nets wanted Carmelo because of the Brooklyn angle of promoting him. And he's certainly a bigger star in name recognition than Darren Williams is, but any NBA fan knows that Darren may be the best guy at what he does. So I think that he can attract free agents. I think the number one guy on everybody's mind would be Dwight Howard. Can they bring him in? Is it realistic? Probably not. I mean, I can't like sit here and think he's actually going to come here, but I think they're in play now. I don't think they really had any chance at big free agents. It's been proven the last year that Mikhail Prokhorov's personality in billions can only get you so far. So I do think they can attract free agents. I think they're in a – they're in a tough spot, though, because right now they have cap room next year and they have cap room the year after. But to convince Darren Williams to stay, you're going to have to get better. So you may have to go after a David West or a Jeff Green or a guy like that and pair them with Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez, who I think is going to get better playing with an elite point guard. But the problem is if you do that, you're not going to have cap room for Dwight Howard. And if you wait for Dwight Howard, how good are you going to be? And maybe Darren Williams says, I don't know if I want to stay. So – it's going to be very intriguing to see how Billy King plays this, but I saw this as a Nets fan when Jason Kidd was around. Guys want to play with elite point cards. I remember Kevin Garnett wanted to play with Jason Kidd. Unfortunately, Rod Thorne could never pull it off, but you know, star players want to play with that elite point guard because it makes them look better. So I definitely think if they can convince him to re-sign, they're going to have a much, much, much easier time attracting free agents. Yeah, I think that you know going after Dwight Howard is probably – uh, a wise move, and, you know, you never know. Uh, when the Nets move to Brooklyn, he might just want to play for another New York and, you know, rival against Melo and, and Stoudemire. Uh, it's it's possible. I mean, I can't get into Dwight Howard's head. I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, he could be one of those guys that say, I'm not LeBron, I want to win, but I was drafted by Orlando, I like it here, my family's here, and he doesn't want to move. So, you know, I don't know if we could all assume that he's going to be like a Melo or like an Amari that wants the bright lights. I mean, I've always heard these rumors about L.A. that he may like going to play for the Lakers. But I actually think, as crazy as this sounds, the Nets would be more appealing than the Lakers because Kobe's aging. You know, Kobe at the time, when Dwight's a free agent, is going to be 34, 35 years old, and he's going to be on the decline, as good as he is. So you'd probably rather play with a guy in his prime like Darren Williams. But the truth is, who knows what Dwight Howard's thinking, and who knows what the Magic are thinking. I mean, nobody saw this Darren Williams trade coming. Maybe Orlando, if they get bounced out early this year, say to themselves, we're not going to re-sign Dwight Howard. They try to trade him, and that obviously would change everything. So it's unpredictable. I just, I'm just i curious how Billy's going to play this because if he plays it for just cap room, it's a really big gamble because Darren Williams will not 
get guys around him for next year that may not impress him. So it's a real interesting situation for Billy King. I, I don't know how he's going to play it. Well, it's interesting that you you know you bring all that up because I was talking to my brother today. My brother lives out in uh, in Milwaukee in, in that area, and he was telling me he's a huge Knicks fan. So he's convinced that uh, Darren Williams wants to play with the uh, the Knicks because he read some article or something. So you know he's guaranteeing me like he somehow works for the NBA. He's guaranteeing me that uh, he's not going to resign with the Nets and then he's going to be the point guard for the Knicks and this and that. And uh, you know how confident I, I know you you touched on it before about him signing an extension, but um, you know the Nets, with the Nets going to Brooklyn and everything, you really think that Dur- uh, Darren Duran, whatever his name is, uh, the spelling throws me off. You really think that he's going to want to stay in New Jersey and go uh, to Brooklyn, or uh, what I, do you think? I, I don't look. I, I'm confident about it for now. I think my opinion may change in a year because I think we have to wait and see. I think what Nick fans are forgetting about, and I understand they're very cocky right now because they're probably going to win their first playoff game in a decade, and that makes them feel good, and they actually have some stars, and they got some confidence. They're like the, the kid that always got Fs, and now all of a sudden they got a B, so they think they're geniuses. And I think it's really cute that the Nick fan thinks that every free agent is going to want to play for them. But what some of them don't understand is there's a salary cap, and there's going to be a new salary cap under the CBA, and as much as Carmelo Anthony wanted to be a New York Nick, there's one thing he wanted more than being a New York Nick. He wanted to get paid. He wanted that money. And I find it really hard to believe that all these stars, including Darren Williams, is going to say to himself, God, I, I need to play for Amari and Melo, so I'm going to take the mid-level exception to play for them. I, I don't see it happening. And I think the only way the Knicks are going to be able to add a third star is if they make some type of trade. If they, let's say, next year take Landry Fields and expiring Chauncey Billups and whoever they draft in this year's draft and deal them for Chris Paul and then sign them. I, I don't think that these Knicks fans who claim that really understand the way the salary cap works or the fact there's going to be a new CBA. So I'm not saying Darren Williams is definitely going to resign, but what I am saying is I don't look at the Knicks as a threat. I just don't. I look at teams that have serious cap room as a threat because these guys want to get paid. That's the bottom line. And yeah. Darren says something very interesting at the press conference today, and it is Darren, you know, because I think at the beginning <laughs> of the press conference, uh, the PAA guy who usually works for the Nets said, let's clear it up. It's Darren. It's not the run, but whatever. Who cares? He's an elite point guard. We, we'll call him D-Will for, for now. But yeah. He even said, he said, I got to see what the CBA looks like. And that's a big factor. I think there's three factors to this. What does the CBA look like? So he knows how much more money, how much more is he going to get paid for staying than leaving? Who's going to be around them? Who has cap room? There's just so many questions. So I, I know that when a Knicks fan says, we're getting this guy, we're getting that guy, I know that they kind of just started rooting for the Knicks again because they don't seem to understand the way uh, salary cap works. Okay, um, you know, you, you, you kind of touched on this. You were talking about the Knicks and the, and the whole salary cap and stuff. But, you know, as a Knicks fan, I'm very excited about the whole Carmelo Anthony thing. You know, they finally got him after what seemed like seven, eight years of, uh, you know, all this crap with what team is he going to? Is he going to end up with the Nets? Is he going to play with the Knicks? Is he going to end up playing baseball with the Mets? I mean, all these different rumors and things going on. Um, what do you think the Knicks are going to do, realistically speaking, uh, what do you think the Knicks are going to do in the offseason to go with uh, – you know, who's going to compliment Amari and Carmelo? Because right now, I was watching the game last night, the crowd was pumped, but, uh, you know, that'll only take you so far. Um, they have Chauncey Billups, who, you know, we don't know if he even wants to stay in New York and, you know, how that's going to work. 
But as of now, he's got a year and a half on his uh, on his contract. Who else are the Knicks going to go after? What else can they do, realistically speaking, in the offseason? Well, they really can't do much, unfortunately. I think for now, they're going to look for guys that get bought out. Jared Jeffries is about to get bought out by my uh, by the Rockets. And I think he's going to end up back with the Knicks. And I know that, you know, for a lot of Knicks fans, they roll their eyes and say, Jared Jeffries, but he's 6'10", he can defend, he can rebound. And watching them last night against the Bucks, they are exciting. And boy, do they have offensive punch, but they have no depth and they have no size. Yeah. And they, I mean, they were getting crushed on the offensive glass. And they were making the Milwaukee Bucks, who are just a pathetic offensive team, you know, look very good offensively. So they are exciting. And this was a trade they had to make. I'm not sitting here, you know, ripping the Carmelo trade. And I think the Knicks have put the yeah. blocks together to be a championship contender. But. They are so thin, so I think they're going to bring in a couple of guys that are bought out. Maybe they sign Earl Barron, the former D League. Evan, you still there? With a trade, the year they're going to have the wiggle room is 2012. Now they're not going to have the cap room for a star player, but they're going to have a lot of cap room to do other things. And I, you know, I'm sitting here right now, I'm watching the the Heat Bulls game, and and it jumped into my head, you know, watching this Miami team again. That, yeah, LeBron and Bosch and Wade, and Bosch is having a terrible night, but with that, <laughs> forgetting about that, I watch this team and I say, this team's got no depth. They have none. I mean, they, they so need to bring in so many more pieces to win a championship. I mean, they're still a great team, don't get me wrong, but outside of Wade and LeBron and Bosch, this team stinks. And I was thinking yeah. about this with the Knicks, as appealing as it is to add that third star, when they get that cap room in 2012, instead of, you know, trying to trade for one more star and having no room and doing it the way Miami does, I think the Knicks are capable of winning with two stars. And if you put the right pieces around these guys, I think that's probably the smarter way to go. It may not be as sexy as adding Chris Paul or trading for Chris Paul, but, I mean, I'm watching the Miami Heat. I got to tell you, every time I see them against a good team, I'm unimpressed. Because I, I, yeah. there was just a stretch in this game where LeBron and Wade scored 20 consecutive points. Nobody else can score on this team. I mean, they, they just they have no depth, and I don't know if that's what the Knicks want to model themselves after. I mean, you've got two stars. That's great, and I think that's enough to win. So yeah. I think in 2012, then they're going to have to be aggressive to get a legitimate center, guys who can play defense, guys who can rebound. Maybe you draft a point guard, and that's your future point guard, and he can learn under Chauncey Billups. So I think that's the way to go in 2012. I definitely agree with you, Evan, because, I mean, you look at the head-to-head matchup between – the Heat and my Celtics, and you know the Celtics are three and zero against them in the regular season. Albeit the regular season doesn't mean much, but I think that they can beat them head to head in the playoffs as well. What is your team doing today, by the way? Why the heck yeah. did they trade Kendrick? Perry? That was a, an asinine <laughs> trade. That's my, le- my that's my last question to you. So I'm going to go out of order. What did you think of that damn trade <laughs> for? Uh, you know, it was basically Perkins and, and Nate for Green and Christage. I thought it was incredibly stupid, and I, I, I seriously, we, we heard about it on the air today, and, you know, I'm re- going through the trade, and at first I heard it was just Perkins for Jeff Green, and I like Jeff Green. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. I think I mentioned him as a guy the Nets could go after, but Kendrick Perkins, man, he's one of your leaders. He's one of the best defensive players on your team. The guy can rebound. The guy is tough. I thought that was the reason the Celtics didn't win the NBA championship last year, because Kendrick Perkins got hurt. I mean, Jeff Green's going to help him off the bench. I know they were concerned because Marquise Daniels was hurt, and Green's certainly going to be able to score off the bench. But 
I thought that was a stupid trade. I, I would have not broken that with Kendrick Perkins. And, and all of a sudden, the Celtics are so confident that the O'Neals are going to stay healthy, Shaq and Jermaine, and Nenad Christich. I know all about Nenad Christich. The guy can score. Oh, yeah. He's got offensive game. But he's not nearly the rebounder or defensive presence Kendrick Perkins is. I didn't understand that at all today. Yeah, I didn't either. I agree with you because I feel like, and I know this has an asterisk by it, but this, the starting five, when Perkins went down, obviously I thought that they didn't have a good shot to win game seven, but the starting five have never lost a series together. You know that, right, Evan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember a couple yeah. of years ago you only lost because KG was hurt. Absolutely. Right. So I, I don't understand the trade myself. I think that, and what what's weird about it, uh, thinking of it, um, not even as a sports fan, I mean, you had this guy Perkins, like, rehab his, his knee um, for the whole year. He makes it back to the team, thinks he has a shot to, you know, go to the finals again, and he gets traded. I know he got traded to the Thunder and all, but, you know, I think that the Celtics have a better shot to get to the finals than the Thunder. Uh, I happen to agree with you. I mean, I, I think this is a, an amazing trade for the Thunder. I mean, I really do. I don't think they were re-signing Jeff Green at the end of the year anyway, and the reason they lost to the Lakers in the first round last year, remember they gave them a little bit of a, a little bit of a scare, is their lack of size. That's the reason they couldn't get past them. All of a sudden, they get a big presence in Perkins. They now have the experience playing the Lakers last year. I think the Thunder had probably the greatest week of any team outside of the Nets and Knicks because not only did they just add Kendrick Perkins, but their division just got bulldozed. I mean, the Jazz are forget about them. The Nuggets are like the the, the New York Knicks now from a couple of weeks ago, from a couple of days ago. I, I love it for the Thunder, man, and I, I don't I don't get it. I think it was a panic move because of Daniels getting hurt. But I, I agree with you. I would I, I still can't fathom it. And I'm not a Celtics fan, but I hate the Heat, dude. And I want to see the Celtics knock off Miami. And I know that they're the most capable team of doing it. And I still think they will, but. This was not smart. This was not a good move today for them. Yeah, and just like, I mean, I heard Joe B. say it on your show uh, today, uh, as much as he's sick of seeing Lakers-Celtics, it is a great rivalry, and it's a great, if your team's not in it, watching those two teams battle it out for the NBA title is, I think, much better than watching the Heat versus the Lakers, to be honest with you, Evan. Well, he he didn't say that, though. I was trying to convince him of that. <laughs> he was like, because <laughs> I've been saying that to him for a while. I'm like, dude, you know, I know you hate the Lakers and Celtics, man, but how great of a finals is this going to be? And he does, he has not, bro, I don't want to see it. How many times do I have to no. see this, bro? Oh, no, <laughs> no, I don't need it. I grew up, I willed Russell all the pain. So, I have not successfully convinced him that Celtics-Lakers is the most entertaining, but it is. I mean, we all know it is. Right. And and my last question, uh, since we're on the Celtics, uh, let me ask you, based on talent and experience alone, would you trade Rondo for Williams straight up? Uh, If I'm the Celtics? Uh, Both, I guess. Think of it as a Celtic, think of it as a net. I would definitely not as a net, but as a look, Deron Williams or Darren Williams, <laughs> he called yeah, me with Deron. Darren. Yeah, there you go. Darren Williams is either the best or the second best point guard in the league. It's either him or Derrick Rose. So Darren Williams is better than Rajon Rondo. If I'm starting a team, I'm taking D. Will, but I wouldn't trade him if I were you, only because it flows between him and Kevin Garnett and him and Paul Pierce and him and Ray Allen. He fits on that team, you know, and he's such a pain in the rear end. I loved when he was like trying to listen to the Miami Heat huddle the last time they played. So D-Will is better at this point in their career. He's a much better offensive player. But I don't think anybody makes that deal because the Celtics are – I mean, he's perfect with that team. So D-Will's better, but don't screw around if you're the Celtics. But obviously they, they believe in screwing around because they made that stupid trade today. So uh, I don't know what they're thinking. 
Well, Evan, I have to admit that was an amazing uh, Joe Beningo. Uh, that was a great imitation. You sound just like him. I guess working with him all those years, uh, you know, it rubs off on you. But we we, uh, we thank you for joining us tonight, Evan. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. And hopefully, uh, you know, before you uh, you came on the air, we didn't say anything too embarrassing or too uh, ridiculous. <laughs> no, I think the only thing you said is, why is he coming on our show? Doesn't he have something better to do? I think was the line. And <laughs> oh boy. And, and no, no, the truth is, I mean, what do you expect me to do? I got to wake up and do a show tomorrow. I'm watching Heat Bulls. I mean. It's not like, well, what else am I supposed to do? I mean, am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to go clubbing? Am I supposed to go bar hopping? Like, what do you expect me to do? That's my only question. If, oh, if, anything, know, Evan, if anything, Evan, we just want you to have a good time on this show, and hopefully, you know, we, uh, you know, you appreciate our take on things as well. So I do. You you do an excellent job. I appreciate it. Anytime you want me on, you know, you you just ask. All right. Unless I have a hot date, then you're then you have then you have a problem. <laughs> that's a deal. That's a deal, Evan. Thank right. you so much for coming on, sir. Have a good night. See you later, man. Bye. Right. Take care. Folks, that was Evan Roberts from the Midday Show with Joe Beningo on 660 WFAN from you know Monday through Friday from 10 to 1. You catch him on the air. And folks, that little segment was brought to you by DRG Designs. Do you need a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? You have an idea? Well, we can make it a reality. For your graphic design needs, please call DRG Designs at 973-588-7572. Once again, the number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention Pure Gold. DG? Well, folks, <laughs> I have to admit that was funny because, uh, you know, Joe and I were talking before the, uh, the show started. And, you know, we're joking around, which is basically what we always do. Um, and just make stupid comments to each other and stuff. You know, Joe and I have been friends for a very long time. And, uh, you know, having Evan on, it's great to have him on. He's a funny guy. He's got a good sense of humor. I was actually ripping him uh, about his cat, Freedom, you know, and we were going back and forth about that beforehand. But, again, we, we really appreciate Evan's time and his take. And hopefully Evan won't have any hot dates anytime soon so he can come on the uh, the Pure Gold areas again. But speaking of which, folks, um, you know, normally at this time after we have our, our, our guests, we'd have uh, Todd's take. But we'll do that in a few minutes. We're actually going to go to our second guest, and that would be, folks, it's Thursday. So it's time for On Fire with Pyro. Pyro, how are you doing, sir? Good evening, guys. I'm doing pretty well. Finally recovered after my secondary flu I had a couple days ago. Oh, That's always good. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us your um, Sorry, go, JB. No, I thought you were going to tell us you're calling us uh, from your deathbed or in some, in some hospital or something. <laughs> no, thankfully. Uh, I, uh, we had a couple close calls here, but luckily I, I'm proud to say I still have not thrown up for a virus-related issue in probably a decade. Well, that's, that's, always, a, that's always a plus. I don't think anybody really likes to uh, throw up. You know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, you know Joe mentioned that. Because usually when we have a guest, they're on their deathbed. You know, we've had three or four people who we've talked to before the show went on the air, and, you know, they're coughing up a lung, and, you know, they come on the air, and they're they're practically barfing. So I don't know if it's, uh, you know, it's just this time of night, or people like to get sick when they come up your goal, but it's funny that, you know, this is, I think, the second time that you've been sick that you've been on the show. So, uh, you know, maybe you got to take better care of yourself there, Pyro. you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I know. At this rate, I'll be sick over WrestleMania, and that just can't happen. 
No, it definitely can't. I mean, you know, speaking of all the uh, wrestling goings on, um, you know, this week on uh, on I just read your I just read your take earlier in the day. I actually reread it, but um, you know, I wanted to get your opinion here on the Pure Gold Airways live and on the air. The John Cena promo, I have to admit, you and I are usually in agreement. I really don't agree with you, and I know we spoke about this a couple of nights ago, but I really don't agree that it was, it was, I mean, I got the impression that you basically thought it sucked because he made his, you know, I guess the gay references, but the fact of the matter is that that's all The Rock ever does. I mean, he called out Cena, he talks about a monkey's anus or Barney's anus or whatever it was. That's all that Rocky ever does. All his jokes are always some type of weird innuendo, and it's usually male on male. And, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I loved Cena's promo. I thought it was great. And, uh, you know what, if we were paying you for this gig, I probably would, would uh, dock your pay 50% just for disagreeing with me. So, any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll concede that it was Cena's best promo. He's cut in... A very, very long time. Yeah, forever, probably, ever since he turned quote-unquote face. Um, the, I, I don't know. I guess the way I think about it, The Rock just makes it look so easy. And so, you know, The Rock, yeah. the, if The Rock barely tries, he's better than Cena at his best. And maybe I was just uh, comparing the two of them, which really I shouldn't do. But, you know, even though Rock is sort of kind of does that whole, you know, ass thing, he, uh, yeah. um, it, among other things, yeah, he, yeah he, he's way more clever about it. And, um, I don't know, Cena just, I don't know. But it was still, you know, if, if that's what it takes to refresh his character or remind us that he actually can be clever on the microphone or, um, add any sort of heat and flavor to the feud, then, you know, whatever, I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take one of those promos any day of the week over his, uh, you know, um, amped up, uh, steroid-like, identity crisis, <laughs> marine this, rapper that, BS that he does usually every week. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, going back to your article, you made some, you made a comment about, you know, do I just not remember and have I just, do I just have a different mindset, but... John Cena's old, you know, the old John Cena that became popular, that was him. That was John in a nutshell, minus the bright purple shirt. But, I mean, he did the same thing, the same stuff when he would talk about Brock Lesnar, when he would talk about whomever his opponent was. You know, that's basically what, what made him famous. And, you know, I remember one, I remember when The Rock came back, the last time he came back, it was a SmackDown promo. I forget it was SmackDown 10th anniversary or whatever it was, but it was something like that. And he cut a, a video promo. And even in that promo, back when Umaga was alive, he talked about how Umaga is Simone for a shriveled up monkey penis or something like that. I mean, I just thought it was, again, I guess you had forgotten, but I thought it was interesting because that, that's what they do. And I was impressed by the promo only because it was edgy and they let Cena get away with so much stuff. The Rock is The Rock, but Cena is PG. You know, this is John Cena. This is his era. So for them to allow him to say what he said is really what impressed me the most because Joe saw it first. I forget what I was doing. Um, but Joe saw it first, told me about it, then I had DVR'd it, I went back, immediately saw it, and I was blown away because John was really on point, as it were, and it was something, you know, he came back, basically, he came back strong, and it wasn't just a, yeah, Rocky, you can't see me, ha, 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 you know, so I, I was impressed with it. 
That's true. And uh, any sort of uh, shout-out back to the Attitude Era when uh, promos were good and wrestling is good is definitely worth a listen. Actually, the moment that uh, struck me was the exact line was where he said, I'm like a big purple windmill, so you can go ahead and blow me. And I just did a triple take to my TV. I'm like, what? In 2011 (laughs) WWE, he said that? Really? And some sort of horrible part of me wants one of those, like, five, six, seven, or eight-year-old boys who watch Cena and who are his core audience pick that up and start saying that around the house. I'm not a parent, so probably if I was a parent, that would terrify me. But, you know, it's just really funny to think about. Yeah, now, Pyro, I mean, I think the WWE is walking not a, a fine line, but a weird line, to be honest with you. Here you have John Cena, the face that's facing the Miz at WrestleMania, yet... He's almost like the heel against the rock. So, I mean, what do you make of all that? Well, you know, I said, um, actually, now I can't remember if I said this last week or if I only said this privately, but one of the um, one of the things that wrestling needs is to stop worrying about face heel. What they need to do is just have a character, whoever he is, and let the audience react to him as uh, as they will. And frankly, if we've got going into WrestleMania, Cena being the so-called tweener and Miz being a heel and Rock being a face or whatever, that's fine by me. I mean, it, you know, it, it's like we fans, we don't need, we've been conditioned to want face heel, but, you know, with some specific matchups like Triple H and The Undertaker or Cena, Miz, Rock, you know, with, with these uh, setups, regardless of who's guest wrestling or who's actually fighting, we don't need... Uh, black and white face heel. You know, Cena's yeah. being clever, Miz is being a jerk, and Rock's just being Rock, so, heck, let's run with that. Let's not worry about good guy, bad guy. How cool would it be if, if uh, WrestleMania became a triple threat and you throw Rock into the mix? Oh, man. That would be orgasmic. Um, I mean, oh if that God. happened and, and The Rock was actually coming back to wrestle and everything, I mean, that, that's all you would need. The only thing I'd worry about with that is WWE has a history of um, doing what UFC does, where uh, they'll, they'll make a pay-per-view and they'll make one match that just blows away everything else. And because of that, the undercard becomes an afterthought. And if you put The Rock as the headliner to any pay-per-view, then the undercard will be an afterthought. Of course, you know, with this being WrestleMania, nothing's probably going to be an underthought, even the uh, curtain jerker match is going to be something at least interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm as much as I hope that The Rock actually gets in the ring because I'm sure he can still bang like anyone else. Um, yeah. It, I just I still have this feeling that he's not going to. I really want it to happen, and I think that uh, desire is sort of clouding my judgment. But you know, after he said on his Twitter or whatever that he's never going to wrestle again. He probably means it, at least in the short term. Yeah, it's unfortunate because The Rock was such a great talent, and he's one of the few, you know, classic guys who really has the ability to make the crowd eat out of his hand no matter what, whether he was a face or a heel. He was so over the top with everything. I mean, I remember him in his feud with uh, with Steve Austin back around WrestleMania 19, so I guess we're talking, what, 2000 and three or so, maybe uh, something to that effect. But when he was when he was doing all that and he was singing his songs in, in Sacramento and, you know, doing a sing-along with The Rock, 
he was so amazing and so just electric, but he can play either role, you know, seamlessly. It's unfortunate that he's not going to be wrestling, and, you know, it would be great. We'd all love it. Um, it would be an amazing moment, really, in wrestling. But, you know, speaking of amazing moments, we had Triple H and The Undertaker. I know that Joe and I talked off the air, and he mentioned that, uh, you know, he would have liked them to have said something. But, you know, I told him, if I guess I'll have TNA in here for a second, an analogy. I thought it was such a good job them not saying anything because I remember watching uh, one of the only segments in TNA that I've seen in a very long time when Fortune was revealed to be they after Booker T and, and uh, Kevin Nash basically uh, ruined the whole um, the whole uh, main event mafia, whatever, the comeback. But anyway, um, I remember how Fortune came out Revealed to be they, then AJ Styles cut, which is really an actually very good promo, but that should have been saved for the following week where it could have been explained or whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, I, I give you as an, as an example to show you the difference between WWE and when the WWE gets something right, they really get it right. And TNA, when they get something right, they just kind of, you know, fudge it just a little bit. But uh, any thoughts on, uh, on Taker Triple H, what kind of match, you know, that's going to turn out to be? And, uh, I mean, I know you like the whole not saying anything aspect of it, but uh, any thoughts on that on that wonderful match coming up? Oh, I'm just excited, man. I mean, um, you know, there are a bunch of rumors about whether this is going to be a streak versus career or, you know, anything like that. It's one of the moments like what was on Monday, I just try to sit back and enjoy it. I mean, you know, because they didn't speak and because the fans were just completely insane in a good way, um, you know, you, you know that they were playing it for the drama, and they intentionally didn't want to explain it. They intentionally didn't want to talk about anything, and that's fine by me. Um, basically, I just, you know, sat back, relaxed, well, cheered, whatever. Um, and, you know, as far as what kind of match they'll have or whatever, whatever it is, it's going to be good. I mean, if Triple H, Triple H just came back, he's fresh, Undertaker is about as fresh as he's going to be, and... Um, you know, so I can't see them doing anything, uh, any sort of match or, or even angle where they can um, get hurt prior to WrestleMania. So whatever match it's going to be, it's going to be good because the guys are going to be 100%, and the crowd is going to be behind them 100%. And it's just going to be a really, you know, you know, it honestly it wouldn't surprise me if it becomes as good as Shawn Michaels' Undertaker from uh, – two years ago, the first one. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree. I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, uh, I was going to say that, uh, you know, given both their history and given that this is WrestleMania, you never know what's going to happen, whether they uh, have like a Hell in a Cell match, because that's, uh, both guys, I think, claim it as one of their special matches um, or anything like that. But also it can't overshadow the main event, and I doubt Undertaker Triple H will be the main event with The Rock being around. So, uh, you know, it, I I don't think it'll be a gimmick match, but even if it's not, it's going to be just amazing. Yeah, if anything, the gimmick might be another streak versus career type match. Um, and if they do go that route, I'm going to be honest with you, Pyro, I will take back a lot of things that I've said on and off the air about Triple H. I always thought the guy's a glory hog, wants the title, you know, it seems like he he might have uh, had a change of thought and now wants to do more of the, you know, behind-the-scenes type of thing, uh, you know, running the show behind the scenes. And if it's a career versus streak, I'm going to guess that Taker continues with the streak and ends Triple H's career like he did with Shawn Michaels last year. Uh, 
I if it winds up being career versus streak, I think the Undertaker will win, but I don't think Triple H will be done. Um, I, Triple H doesn't strike me as one of the guys who are gonna who's gonna hang around until he's in his sixties and seventies, way beyond what he can do. But I just don't see him hanging them up yet. I mean, like I said, I know the rumors are going around that that's the way it's gonna be, but I don't know. I mean, you can always you can always unretire a guy. Um, for whatever various reason you want, like Cena got unfired, you know, a few, you know, a few months ago. Um, so if it is career versus streak, I think Undertaker will win, but I still think Triple H will come back. Um, it may take a while, but I, I just, I, I have this feeling he's not done yet. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, you know, and you're not the, you're not the only person that I've heard say that. I was reading Mark Madden's column over on the WrestleZone today, and he mentioned the same thing. You know, Mark was a former announcer for WCW back before I went uh, belly up. But you know, I would hate to see Triple H. I'm, I'm a you know big Triple H fan. Um, you know, not not as much as Joe. I know Joe says uh, front row tickets for the premiere of uh, the Chaperone. But aside from that, you know, I like Triple H, and I wouldn't want to see him go. Only because he still has, you know, there's a lot left to offer. You know, I'd hated to see Shawn Michaels go, but, you know, Shawn's been wrestling for, you know, 20 some odd years, so I can understand it. But Trips, if he decided to uh, hang it up, as it were, I can't imagine him coming back just for like a five week build up and to end his career like that. He's been gone almost an entire year. I mean, he still has the Sheamus thing to deal with, but maybe by that point, Sheamus will have been featuring Endeavor and be main eventing in TNA because Sheamus hasn't won a match in what seems like forever. And I know my wife literally hates him, and I think she needs therapy because of it. You know, my uh, my little nephew has a Sheamus toy, and, of course, he always says Sheamus lose, and my wife kicks in and stuff. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, Vince feels the same way about Sheamus. Any thoughts on that, uh, Pyro? Because he's been jobbing it up left and right. Yeah. Um, there was a situation. I just want to take you back real quick. There was a situation about six months ago where um, – there was a triple threat match with Miz, Daniel Bryan, and John Morrison, and I forget what pay-per-view it was, but uh, it was a good match, fantastic match. Um, Bryan won, and the next night on Raw, he got squashed by Sheamus, and the IWC lit up and said that Daniel Bryan is now getting buried because he got squashed by Sheamus, and it's such a horrible thing, and I was one of the few voices on the Internet that said, it's only a problem if Daniel Bryan loses the week after or the week after that, you know, one loss out of the clear blue is not a big deal. And so when this started, and, you know, for Daniel Bryan, that was pretty much it. I mean, after that, he had a 20-minute yeah, match with Sheamus the next week, and he was fine. When Sheamus first lost, first of all, I thought it was funny that no one said a word. Like, what, you know, then that tells me something about Daniel Bryan and the IWC. But um, when Sheamus first lost, and even lost twice in a row, no one said anything. But you're right, he has lost, what, like three or four months? Basically, ever since the King of the Ring. He King of the Ring, movement. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's nonstop losses, and it's never, it's not like people are cheating against him. It's not like people um, uh, are, are using dirty tactics. It's not like he has a storyline. He's just losing, and he's getting booked like crap. And it's like the King of the Ring is, I mean, the title of it is a joke now. I haven't heard if there's anything going on with him backstage, if he upset Vince or something or, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, I have a feeling, especially with Triple H coming back against The Undertaker, the whole uh, Sheamus 
Triple H storyline is just gone, and we're supposed to, you know, forget that it ever happened. So, yeah. and it's yeah. sad because he's, yeah, he's, you know, and Seamus, I've come around to Seamus. When he first started, I didn't like him, and when he first uh, won the title from Cena, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't think he was uh, legit enough. But I've come around to him, and he is charismatic. Even, you know, his funny accent with his. Uh, just goofy expressions, and you know they're not actually goofy, but you know it's goofy for American audiences. Yeah, he's come around, and he's really carved out this niche of a character for his own. And it is sad to see him getting buried so badly. I mean, when you job to Mark Henry clean, you know that's just that's the kiss of death right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you. Now let me ask you, Pyro. Obviously, WrestleMania is coming up in a couple of uh, well, five weeks away. But, uh, you know, they'll have probably the Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania. Between the three, bet- I mean, obviously we can probably eliminate the one that I'm just going to mention now, but between Sheamus, John Morrison, and Daniel Bryan, do you see one of those three winning the Money in the Bank match? Dan- uh, given those three, I would uh, I would figure John Morrison would get the, uh, get the nod. If it was me booking it and you gave me those three, I would actually pick Daniel Bryan. I, I figure out some way to get the U.S. title off him, but I would give money in the bank to Daniel Bryan because um, I don't know. He's he's Morrison's definitely a much better flyer, but Daniel Bryan is just so smooth with his moves. He's technically sound, and he has more of a uh, uh, he's got more charisma. He can talk better. I would actually give him the get <clears throat> excuse me give him the nod to do it. But WWE think given those three, I'd give it to Morrison. I mean, Morrison flirted with the main event last year. And uh, once he started the quote-unquote parkour style of wrestling, um, you know, he's just amazing people week after week. He does spots that no one has even remotely thought of before. You know, I think he, if he doesn't get it yet, like if he doesn't, if Morrison doesn't uh, win Money in the Bank this year, I think he's at least going to get a major, major push by the end of this year, and he might flirt with the uh, uh, WWE Championship. Okay. Let me throw you a a fantasy booking situation and tell me what you think of this, because I'm always big on this. Let's just say Daniel Bryan does win the Money in the Bank match, and somehow The Miz is able to retain the title. What if Daniel Bryan then cashes it in at WrestleMania and becomes a new WWE Champion? As awesome as that would be, I don't think it'll happen because the uh, the whole, I mean, if we go behind the curtain, so to speak, the whole point of Money in the Bank is to give a tease, and it's sort of a bad blowing your tease, you know, a full year before you need to. But that said, it hasn't been done before. One of these one of these years, because, you know, Money in the Bank is, is a staple of WrestleMania probably for now until the end of time. One right. of these years that'll happen, that someone's going to do it. And given the mess right now between, um, like we said earlier with The Rock and uh, Cena and Miz, where the lines between good guy and bad guy are blurred, and we don't know what The Rock's doing since everyone's, I mean, since Miz and Cena both have a problem with him. Um, you know, that, that fantasy booking would actually work, especially given that Miz was Daniel O'Brien's pro and, you know, they have history. That would be a kind of a sweet finish, and it would allow uh, Rock to say, still be the guest referee when Daniel Bryan cashes it in. Because, you know, if, if The Rock, if Miz winds up winning and The Rock's the guest ref, The Rock won't exactly get booed, but it'll be kind of 
slightly disappointing for the fans. And uh, but then you could have Daniel Bryan come out, and then Rock could count the three on that. Oh man! Now that you said that, I, like my mind's racing. That's that is a pretty good fantasy book, that, and it would work <laughs> on quite a few levels. Thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, JB and I, we always do the fantasy booking thing. I mean, we, we used to do uh, like what we call production meetings, and we would talk so much about it on on AIM. You know, we would be just be going back and forth. And what do you think about this? We would come up with. I think for the past couple of years, right, Joe, we've come up with entire WrestleMania cards, you know, based on what we think should happen and what could have happened and what should have happened. And, uh, you know, we should probably just spend one show, half a show, just doing that. Um, but you know, I love Daniel Bryan. Yeah, big fan of his. Yeah, I actually disagree with you a bit. Daniel is a great wrestler, but I don't really think he's as smooth as he could be. Uh, someone like Chris Benoit, Benoit was very just on point. Angle's another one, just amazingly smooth. Brian is a little bit sloppy, I think, when it comes to uh, the whole getting the uh, LaBelle lock in. But aside from that, I would love uh, what, what Joe just proposed because that would be amazing. And, of course, it would never happen. What I've always thought should happen, and I've mentioned this to JB a couple of times, um, is the fact of the matter that to have somebody, let's say, for example, I don't know, Kofi Kingston or even John Morrison, whomever it was, let's say they, they were world champion going into WrestleMania, right, or even they won um, – the title that night. Then you have somebody who won money in the bank come cash in and then be the first person to lose it and then have that person not only win the title but then retain the title the same night. So Again, somebody mid-card going to main event. I just think that would be such an amazing uh, booking job because it puts them over. It makes the other person, you know, again, look bad per se, but it finally gets that streak of somebody cashing money in the bank and actually lost. It would kind of get that whole thing out of the way. Any thoughts on that? Uh, as long as it's not Cena who winds up retaining in that situation, that you know that, that would be pretty good too. And uh, I, I have to say, since we disagreed on that too, you're not docking my theoretical pay more, are you? I got no, 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 of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I'm saying no, no Cena. It's got to be a mid carder. I, I think that the mid card pushes the key. Somebody like let's say Kofi will probably never win, but Morrison, like he, you know, he'd be the one to get the title win it, and then successfully retain it against somebody who won the money in the bank that same night. Because then you can always have that challenger come back the following month, or you have the rematch, make it a triple threat, and it can turn into a whole, you know, three, four-month-long program transitioning from the former champ to the current champ, you know? Yeah. You know what gets me, though? That, you know, you're, you talk about three to four months. Isn't it weird that, like, the road to WrestleMania is three to four months. You know, this year it's what, about three since it's in April? Um, yeah, yeah. But what, what gets me is I don't understand. You know, you and I and you and Joe and everyone can, can easily come up with these fantasy bookings that are actually interesting. Yeah. I don't understand why if we can do that, WWE's creative <laughs> team, and on online onslaught, I always use creative in quotes because, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, they're not. Anyway, um I don't understand why the WWE creative team can't come up with those ideas. You know, I mean, you you and Joe just came up with those ideas. You said, what, you know, just passing AIM messages back and forth for, what, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes. These are guys yeah, yeah. who supposedly write the shows, you know, four or five, six, maybe even eight hours a day for a solid week, and they can't think ahead more than, you know, one show or two shows or three shows. Um, I heard your show on Tuesday where you were interviewing Justin and you had mentioned about um, uh, who they should reveal for the anonymous Raw General Manager. And I just have this feeling 
that even WWE doesn't know who they're going to reveal for the, you know, anonymous Raw general manager. Um, it would probably be easy for them to close out the angle with not revealing it just because they've done such a crap job about doing the angle in the first place. I have a feeling yeah, they yeah, never wrote, right. you know, they probably didn't come up with a plan to end it either. They probably just said, hey, let's make a Raw, uh, an anonymous general manager and we'll worry about who it is in six months when it become, becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah. I I think the whole issue is that you know, and Joe and I have talked about this also. The fact that you're dealing with egos, you know, we can book to the high heavens because we're doing it objectively and nobody's involved. You know, we're basically we're basically doing uh, you know, this is what we think should happen and we're creative. And I guess they're hindered by the fact that this person doesn't want to jump to this person, this other person doesn't want to jump to uh, that other person, but. Uh, you know, and, and I'm going to get into this later because I have a Chris Jericho comment as uh, one of my quote-unquote nuggets. But uh, let me ask you, you know, in, in closing on my part, Orton Punk, I love the fact that Punk, I'm uh, sorry, Orton is not in a title match at WrestleMania. It still upsets me to know that Cena's going to do like seven manias in a row with a world title match. But any thoughts on, uh, on Punk, Orton? And it's not going to be the technical master that we wish, but I think that Orton can hang with Punk in a sense, and I think Punk is really going to, carry him to a great match, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a classic per se, not a five-star match or a barn burner or whatever it is, but uh, any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I mean, Orton, you know, with Orton, I still don't like him, but he's improved enough that he doesn't drag every match, you know, he doesn't have chin locks for half a match anymore, and Punk, I mean, look, I'm 5'11", I'm 210 pounds, I have no muscle tone, Punk could make me look good. Okay, you know, so he yeah. can make Orton look good. And, you know, they'll they'll have an acceptable match. And especially if Nexus gets involved and has their shenanigans going on, it'll uh, hide any stupid crap that uh, Orton wants to do. So, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty decent match. Um, you know, honestly, any match that Punk is in, I think will at least be a decent match. So I, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, um, you know, and, and I, I know Joe's going to close out. Um, I actually have one more thing that I wanted to mention. Being that the show's going on so long, I don't, I don't think we're going to have time to get to the nuggets. But I was watching an interview to, with Chris Jericho today, right? And Jericho's one of my all-time favorites. He's up there in the top five for me. Uh, he had an interesting point about heel champions, right? He says that he felt in his last run before he left, uh, you know, he didn't mind losing most of the time, right? And his point was, if somebody like, if he beat someone like Evan Bourne, because he was feuding with Evan before he left, what exactly does that do for his career, right? But if Evan beats him and it's booked the right way, that puts Evan on people's radar, you know. My question to uh, to you, you know, uh, Pyron, you know, even Joe wants to chime in, is why is it that Jericho, as great of a legend as he is, why is he the only one that feels that way? Cena never loses clean to anyone, you know, who isn't in the main event, really. All right, he lost on Monday to Heath Slater, but that was, you know, technically two straight matches. And, uh, you know, Miss screwed him out of that one. Randy Orton never loses. The big name guys never ever lose. You know, if more people had Jericho's attitude and put other guys over, it would help make so many other wrestlers stars. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I completely agree. Wrestling, you know, one of one of the many problems of pro wrestling because we always kind of crap on it on the show, and I always crap on it in online onslaught. But one one of the major problems of uh, pro wrestling is. It's really ego-driven, and there's a lot of politics involved, um, which I don't know if there's a fix, but I think for Jericho, one reason why it doesn't bother him so bad is because he has so much else going on. I mean, he's a great writer. 
He has his band. You know, he doesn't need wrestling. In fact, you know, his his last, when he came back to WWE, it was pretty much because he just wanted to. You know, it's not like he needed the money like uh, Flair does over in TNA. And, you know, for most guys, it might be just a case of, um, you know, once you hit that level, you know, even though wrestling is scripted, you don't want to lose. You don't ever want to be, you know, you don't want to get knocked off your pedestal. Um, and in fact, I'm going to give actually WWE a little free advertising here. Uh, the Big Show just had a DVD come out, and you can actually see the documentary part of that on Netflix for free if you happen to have a Netflix account. And he talk, even Big Show talks about uh, with uh, WCW, he was you know the, he was like the number one heel. He won the uh, WCW title on his first night. And he kind of got a big head then and even when he went into the WWE. And it wasn't until he was demoted to OVW when he uh, became a little humble. And maybe that's the problem with a lot of the other guys, guys like Orton, guys like, well, I think with Cena it's more of the writers. But, you know, a lot of the main eventers don't want to lose that fame and that namesake. And, you know, they, they just, their egos can't handle it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, Pyro, um, we're running, obviously, way late on time, but uh, before we close out this segment for this week with On Fire with Pyro, I hate to close on a negative note, but um, I'm just going to have to ask you on this. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, but uh, Elimination Chamber was, uh, I don't know, I think it was anticlimactic, to be honest with you. I mean, you had Jerry Lawler lose clean to Miz, and now... Jerry Lawler's moment at WrestleMania is going to be against Michael Cole. It's not even going to be against a wrestler. So I, I think that it downplays and it, it, it really hurts Jerry's, not his legacy, but his WrestleMania moment, per se. Um, what do you think about all that mess? I mean, I, I think it's a mess, to be honest with you, to have these two guys re- wrestling at WrestleMania. Yeah, um, well, as far as the Elimination Chamber, you're right. It, it was a little anticlimactic, but it was more predictable than bad. I mean, you know, the Elimination Chamber was a smooth pay-per-view overall, in my opinion. It was just predictable. Um, but there wasn't really anything lost with it. Um, you know, there there may have been a few lost opportunities, but, you know, it wasn't like anything got worse. But as far as uh, Jerry Lawler specifically, um, I, I do agree with you that, you know, putting him against Michael Cole, it's like, eh, you know, if, I wonder how serious Jerry Lawler is about wanting that WrestleMania match. Because it's like, if he really wants a meaningful match, then, you know, I feel for him because this is crap. Um, the only way I can picture this coming out okay is if Michael Cole picks some guy to wrestle for him, maybe Alex Riley, but, you know, even that's not as good. Um, I, I don't think there's a way out of it for to, for it to be really special anymore. But, you know, at least he'll get his match, and um, hopefully he'll be happy with that. Right. All right, Paolo, we just, uh, as always, sir, you're a uh, scholar and gentleman, as I always say. Uh, thanks for Thank coming you. on. I hope you are feeling better. That's good to hear, and, uh, you know, continue to ke- continue to feel better, obviously. And we'll talk to yeah. you next Thursday, sir. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Thank you. Folks, that was the one and only Pyro Falcon. And speak from Ireland Hospital. And speaking of the one and only, 55 minutes into the show, much later than usual. But, folks, well worth it because this has been the greatest show in the history of Internet radio, in the history of Pure Gold, quite frankly, in the history of the world. 
we have the one and only Todd Johnstone, a.k.a. TJ. Todd, take. Todd, take it away. All right, make way for the third string. Here we come. All right, some <laughs> NBA action. <laughs> Celtics Nuggets tied with five minutes left to play in the first. The Bulls rally back in the fourth and hold on to win 93-89. Uh, Wild and the Kings tied at 0-0 in the, in the first. Canucks over the Blues, 2-0. Predators drop one to the Blackhawks, 3-0. Leafs over the Canadians, 5-4. Dallas over Detroit, 4-1. And the Islanders are officially on the, on the schneid. They drop one in overtime, 4-3 to the Flyers. Damn it. Thank you, Todd. And as always, uh, we do apologize for running late, but you know, we had Evan had on fire with Pyro, but we always appreciate your segment here. So, folks, it's 10.57. It's time for Todd's take. Todd, take it away, sir. All right, so on Friday afternoon at approximately 1.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, our beloved New York Mets will take their triumphant return back to TV on WPIX versus the Atlanta Braves. And as I spoke in our last chat, uh, I have just recently started watching baseball again. And last season, it became something of a habit or a routine, but in a good way. Come home from work, kiss the wife, hug the kids, a little dinner, watch some total access. You know, I got to keep up with Rex's mouth, of course. And then over to SNY for a little Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, Gary Cohen, and, of course, the man in the stands, Kevin Burkhart. It's like a beer with your best friends. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's good times. And you get a ball game, too. Who could, who could argue with that? It's comforting. Call me crazy, but I'm not sure if it's the game as much as the guys at the game. Last season with the family, I went to a couple of games, and I couldn't help but thinking, I wonder what the guys are talking about. Whatever the case, kudos to SNY for putting together a great crew in the booth because they got me to stop surfing and stay put long enough to learn some players' names and put some names with the faces after a 20-year hiatus from baseball. I suppose you could say that Mets baseball and SNY has made me a two-sports guy again, although the postgame sucks. I'm not crazy about Bobby <laughs> Ojeda, but I digress. Oh, boy. And with that, you can consider yourself taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. Hey, Todd, before I let you go, uh, I, have a, I have a news flash for you. Yes, sir. Um, the the NFL season next year will not have to be played because I can tell you that the 2012 Super Bowl champions will be the New York Jets. Well, so say it, Rex. So say it, Rex. <laughs> oh, please. You guys are ridiculous. So, but, uh, I, I, nice, guys. Yeah, have a good night. I apologize for uh, putting you on a little late, but we're running late. But thanks, as always. You're a true professional. A pleasure, nonetheless. <laughs> of course, of course, that is a true professional. And speaking of professional, folks, that wonderful segment, the greatest Todd's take ever, was brought to you by Freedom Cleaning. You have an office, an apartment, or even a church that needs to be cleaned? Call Freedom Cleaning at 973-668-2275. They are located in West Patterson, better known as Woodland Park, New Jersey. They service Stake, Bergen, Essex, and Morris Counties. For those of you folks out there wondering, we're talking about New Jersey here. Freedom Cleaning is an LLC. Let us do the dirty work, folks. Call Benjamin Ortiz for a price quote today at 973-668-2275. Or, of course, email them at freedom to the number 2 clean at yahoo.com. And, of course, when you call, 
you got to mention pure gold. Folks, this has been a great show. Normally we'd be closing out, but it's been so amazing that we just figured we'd give you an extra, you know, quite a, quite a few minutes. We have, for the second time, which is, you know, going to become a regular segment on our show, at least for the next couple of months, we have the one and only, folks, Smallville View, and joining us today, live, and I'm the air, the newest member of the Pure Gold team, Jose, a.k.a. Hans. Jose, how are you doing, sir? How's it going, JB and BG? (laughs) We're doing quite well, sir. Calling in to recap last week's show, which, in my opinion, was complete and totally and utterly garbage. And it usually goes like this for Smallville. As soon as they come back from break, you know, they have that first show, and it's kind of the filler episode, and they're trying to pick up speed. But this last season, they came back strong, and this episode just was weak, in my opinion. They concentrated too much on the Chloe and Ollie. I realized that, you know, she's only got like five, six episodes this whole season. But to dedicate a whole episode to her and and Ollie, they're not even the focus of the show. And they built this up to be like a great moment in Clark's life. He finally decided to make Clark the costume, and they give him like ten minutes at the end of the show. I I thought that was ridiculous. The, the writers should have done a better job. This is supposed to be Clark's one of Clark's greatest moments, and in this show, obviously because we've seen him as you know Smallville as Lois calls him, and yeah, they just. Built it up in the previews, the trailers, what have you, and it was just ten minutes. And he just throws on a pair of glasses, and not he doesn't act like the Clark that everybody knows him as in the movies, cartoons, or the comics. This bumbling guy, he just puts on the glasses and bumps into somebody. Not at all Clark-like. So I don't know. They really dropped the ball this time. Yeah, Hans, I'm going to have to agree with you. This was definitely a weak episode. I mean, I always, like, watch the intro when they show you what happened before, and they always show you that uniform, uh, his, you know, his real uniform uh, waiting in the fortress, and he never puts it on, and, uh, I mean, it's become more and more obvious that he's going to only put it on on the last episode, the, the series finale, and it might even be the final scene. So I don't like that kind of teasing because you keep showing it, uh, if if anything, just put it on right before you know the end of this episode to make the fans happy. But again, they don't do that. And you're right; it was a weak episode all around. I thought there was a little bit too much joking on, joking around going on with uh, Chloe and uh, you know Ollie uh, with the whole Joneses thing. So I didn't appreciate that too much. And uh, in you know in gen- in overall, I, I really was disappointed in this uh, episode, DG. Well. You know, the thing is, I have to say that for once, I completely disagree with both of you guys because, like like uh, Hans said, you know, or Jose, whatever we're calling him now, um, 
it, it dealt with Chloe, but the fact that I think Chloe only has one, maybe two episodes left to fulfill her contract with the show. And I thought it was important because, you know, they, they had that whole scene with the, the whole darkness and she's locked up or whatever. Clark comes to rescue her. Then it's Lois. Then it's Chloe confronting herself. I thought it was good because it brought the character full circle. And honestly, hopefully they'll kill her in the next episode or maybe Lex will shoot her in the face or something because I think her character is done. She's washed up, got to go. But it was good because she confronted her her whole jealousy issues concerning Lois and her happiness and Chloe never being happy. She confronted and dealt with the whole Clark and their ill-fated non-romance. And she also dealt with her quote-unquote inner darkness. Um, let me get your take on something here, Hans. The only issue that I had, and again, I, I really don't agree with you guys, but of course, you know, that's why we have the show so we can air our grievances and whatnot. My issue with the whole Clark thing and Clark being the costume or the disguise, whatever the case is, is that it's kind of backwards. You know, Clark has been in Metropolis for years. He's been uh, the Daily News, Daily News, uh, he's in New York, the, the Daily Planet reporter for years. He's been with Lois for years. Everybody knows him as this cool, confident guy, this suave guy, as it were. And then all of a sudden he's going to start putting on glasses and he's going to start bumping into people and start being bumbling. It really just doesn't work. You know, they should have done this five years ago. And obviously it's a show about superheroes, so it's not real just like everything else is not real. But, uh, Hans, don't you think it's a bit far-fetched, all things considered, that now he's going to pretend to be the bumbling Clark Kent? Actually, I, I agree with you and disagree with you on that because they they didn't make him so much as the bumbling Clark Kent. He put on the glasses. He could always pretend, you know, now he's far-sighted. He can't really coordinate as well as he used to, which I guess – would bring a little bit more realness to to this to the whole aspect of him being this cool confident guy and now he's got to wear glasses which whoever wears glasses always feels a little less confident you know you're not perfect anymore you you're wearing glasses so in that aspect it was good but they like you were saying that they came full circle with Chloe they it seemed like they were just rehashing it going through that uh Chloe and Clark phase again, which was done yeah. the past like nine seasons. We all know she's in love with him. We we all know that she wants to be with him, but she can't because he is yeah. with Lois and he was with Lana before. So this episode seemed just to be rehashing old ideas, a filler episode. I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was watching date movie with Steve Carell, that whole Chloe and Ollie, like, uh, JB was saying being the Joneses, taking somebody else's uh, reservation, that was just taking from that movie, which wasn't that yeah. good to begin with, and they just do it in an episode. I understand they have to close out her story and um, make her more mature and let her leave on a good note, or whether, you know, Lex kills her, which he should do because she doesn't really of exist, course. even though they wrote her in, but... Uh, they could have done it a better way. They wasted episodes on people like Chloe and that garbage episode with Pete and the way they wrote off Lana. They they really, I don't know if they don't know how to write people off on this show other than just killing them, but they need to be a little bit more creative and see what else they could come up with other than rehashing old ideas and taking concepts from movies. That's just... I guess what Hollywood does is just remake things, and unfortunately they picked a horrible movie 
to to base an episode on. You know, I'm ready to hang up on you because you need to stop saying that Date Night was a horrible movie, first of all, because that was great. I loved it. I guess because I was actually on a date with my wife, and maybe that's what it was. But uh, real quick, you brought up something that's interesting. I never thought about it, and, you know, we, we've talked about Smallville quite a bit over the years, but you made a really good point. I think that they don't know how to write characters off the show other than killing them. Because think about it. What did they do with Whitney? They killed him off the air. You know, he's he dead. got he killed in, the, in, in yeah. some war, in the Iraqi war. And yeah, exactly. He came back for one at, episode, but as a doppelganger, that girl, yeah. uh, Lisa, Tina, or I think her name was. Tina. Yeah, and then you look at Pete, like you said, that horrible episode where he came back. You know, they, they practically killed him. They said, oh, well, you know, my parents are breaking up or whatever it was, and i got to move to Africa or wherever the hell he went. That was terrible. Um, Lana was the absolute worst, the way they wrote her off. Like, they couldn't get rid of her, so they just made her poison to Clark, so there's no way for them to be together. That was terrible. The father was killed, which was classic, and it was great. The mother just miraculously became some, like, fake senator, which, you know, if uh, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, if, if Hillary Clinton were to die, then Bill Clinton should become senator because, you know, he's, he's the spouse, which is like Smallville rules. So they really have never been able to close off the, the characters on a, on a good note. And, you know, like I said, you mentioned that, so I just have to comment on it because it's so true. It is. I think the only person they did any justice with was Lionel, with Lex killing him. That was the perfect way to send him off. Even though they brought him back, That the way they killed him off the show was just perfect. Like you said, Lana was the most horrible story. <laughs> then comes Pete. But that's still killing him, though. Was... You know, you mentioned Lionel. That's still the only good way they've ever written anybody off was, was killing them was Lionel, was, uh, was Jonathan. They don't know how to get rid of characters, so I'm hoping to either kill Chloe or do something because, they, like you said, they just don't know what to do with them. It's true, and, and then you have to wait to see what they do with Ollie because, obviously, he doesn't belong in Smallville. He's his own yeah. character. He's just playing along the side of Clark, like his sidekick, like if he was some sort of Robin. Yeah, yeah, I, I got. Uh, yeah, I got to admit, Hans. Uh, I think you're gonna fit right into the pure gold family. You're probably just as negative as me and uh, DG are. So, you know, I just want to welcome you aboard and uh, welcome to Negative Nelly Town because uh, it seems like that's all we do is uh, just rip things. I mean, you, you wouldn't even tell that we're Christians here. I mean, we're so negative. It's 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 it's, it's crazy. Well, we have to we have to tell it like it is because oh, we otherwise do, we do. Hollywood would just keep coming out with the same crap. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm just going to um, try to close out on a positive note, if that's even possible for us. But um, I just want to get your take on Yeah, I just want to get your take on it. Um, Michael Rosenbaum finally did the right thing. He decided to sign on. He's going to do the last two episodes. How great was that to hear? I That was really great. As a fan of the show for the last ten years, I think, though, the way his interviews are coming across are a little bit crappy, like he's better than the show now, which he hasn't yeah, done yeah. anything outside the show. But for him to come back and have everybody coming back on the show, other than Lana, obviously, for what uh, DG pointed out, her being poisoned to Clark and him moving on Street to Lois too. now. Uh it's just great to to hear that Lex is actually coming back. Whether he's coming back as 
the original Lex or he's the grown-up version of this clone Lex. Either way, I think it's a great thing that they're doing, and he decided finally to come back to the show instead of just repeatedly saying, no, he doesn't want to, he has no interest. But him coming back, it's just great. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Hans, Jose, whatever we're going to call you, not really sure, so many aliases. We thank you for your time, sir. It's a pleasure, and we will have you on again next week to talk some more Smallville. Um, hopefully, it'll be a good episode. Do you know what next week's episode is about? Because with my DVR, I don't catch the overrun, so I never see the uh, the preview for the following they, week. I'm always surprised. I'm reading a spoiler saying something about they're hinting more towards the costume. Uh, JB said this before. They're waiting to the very end. Hopefully not. Hopefully they get to him flying before he actually puts on the costume because he hasn't flown as Superman, as the Blur, as Clark. He's always flown as Kal-El or in a dream or anywhere else, and that is really getting annoying as well. But hopefully they're they're moving towards uh, him putting on the costume, uh, him deciding to fly, and just moving towards being Superman. Yes, sir, hopefully. I mean, I don't even want to get started on that. We can spend a whole show on how annoying it is to me that Clark hasn't flown after 10 years. I mean, the guy's practically 45, and he still hasn't flown, but that's besides the point. But, again, Hans, we thank you for your take, sir, and uh, we look forward to our next uh, our next encounter, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, sir, that was the, the one and only, the incomparable Jose, a.k.a. Hans, another uh, lifelong friend and another uh, welcome addition to the Pure Gold team. Pretty soon we're going to need seven hours on this show, folks, with all the segments and all the things that we have. Um, you know, and Pyro actually uh, told me that he also adds to the negativity. So we just have a whole just negative nest here of, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance, as it were. JB, I believe that you wanted to, uh, to add a little something, sir? Well, let's, uh, let's just make sure that we uh, let you know that uh, that segment, along with most of our segments, DG, was brought to you tonight by <laughs> DRG Designs. Do you need a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? Do you have an idea? Well, we can make it a reality. For your graphic design needs, please call DRG Designs at 973-588-7572. Once again, that number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention Pure Gold. Yes, folks, please mention Pure Gold. And speaking of mentioning Pure Gold, make sure that you mention PG when you call Freedom Cleaning, folks. As JB said, our 85 segments today brought to you by uh, DRG Designs and Freedom Cleaning. Have an office, an apartment, or even a church that needs to be cleaned. I know that my church needs to be cleaned, so i got to call them up because I certainly do not like doing it. Call Freedom Cleaning at 973-668-2275. They're located in Woodland Park, better known as... West Patterson, New Jersey. They service Passaic, Bergen, Essex, and Morris counties, and probably any other county in New Jersey. Just mention it. Make up a county. They'll be there to clean, whatever it is. Freedom Cleaning is an LLC. Let us do the dirty work. Please call Benjamin Ortiz for a price quote today. Once again, 973-668-2275, or email them at freedom2clean at yahoo.com. And, again, when you call, mention Pure Gold. JB? Thank you, DG. And as we close out uh, another great week, another great month of pure gold, I just want to leave everyone, all the listening fans, audience, uh, just a closing thought. 
we have a great time here on Pure Gold, but uh, you know, today I had a dose of reality, and we're reminded that, um, like the cliche says, uh, the cliche says, treat the present like the present, because you never you're never guaranteed the future. Because today I was given the sad news that my friend's sister was killed in a fire um, in Patterson, New Jersey. So. I, um, I don't want to get into specifics. I just want to say that uh, my thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Uh, very sad news, but again, we'd like to have fun on this show. We definitely, you know, try to keep it light. But I just want to mention to the fans that you know, never take for granted the present because the future is not guaranteed. So my thoughts and prayers are with his family uh, in this time of sorrow. DG. Well, it's be unfortunate. Uh... I didn't know that that happened, but it's definitely unfortunate when you hear things like that happening. And you know, again, uh, I guess you could say in this week, this is the second time we close out on a, you know, on a serious note, as it were. But definitely, our thoughts and prayers really do go out to the family. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, those of us who are left behind to deal with the tragedy need to, you know, plug on, move forward as much as we can, but never forget those loved ones who have uh, gone on before us, folks. As Joe said, it's been a great show, a great week. You know, we had Justin Mabar on Tuesday. Today, you know, we'd like to obviously thank Evan for joining us, Evan Roberts from WFAN. We thank Pyro for uh, Online Onslaught for another great On Fire with Pyro segment. Um, but before I get into all of that, just remember that next Tuesday, folks, we'll have the one and only Forgiven OC. He's going to be with us live in studio. He'll be joining us for a special interview to talk about his rap career and what God has done in his life. And, folks, it's going to be a great interview. Another can't miss. I mean, all of our shows are great, and all of our interviews are great. So, you know, you just can't miss the show. I'm hoping, you know, nothing's in the work. I, I can't tell JB yet, but I'm hoping that next Thursday we're going to have a very special guest for him, someone that he will enjoy very much. Um, but we're still getting our, our phone calls out there, and our, uh, you know, program director and our media director is out there, uh, you know, working the turntables, working the, the phones, email, everything to get this person on the air. So I hope to, by Tuesday we'll have a special guest for next Thursday. But, again, folks, let me just thank Evan Roberts for, uh, from WFN for a classic segment. I had no idea that Evan could hear what we say at the beginning of the show, um, and that's great because we say some funny stuff. Thank you once again to Pyro Falcon from Online Onslaught. I'd like to thank Todd, the one and only Todd Johnstone, for our sports update. Thanks to Fitz, our producer. Special thanks to Jose, our media director, who just joined the team. Uh, thank you to Kelly, our lovely board op. And, of course, thanks to Hans for his help with the Smallville View segment. You'll be hearing more of his negative opinions and his, you know, his uh, garbage for the next couple of uh, months, really. So, folks, remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for JB. This is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. And on that note, good night, everyone. <laughs>